I'll just sing the song. Watch this. Do 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 do. Hello and welcome back to the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I am Tom Mills and today I'm joined by Sam Williams. Hello. Just a two of us. Just a two of us today. Very intimate. Bruce is studying. Mm, lower exams. Mm. Seems to be the excuse every time he doesn't want to do anything. Revising. He's, I reckon he's done. He's done circa 14 years of straight. Every year he's revised now for nearly 14 years of his life, I reckon. It seems like work avoidance, doesn't it? Don't know. Somebody definitely stretching out academia as far as possible, isn't it? That's, uh... As always, you can get in touch with us on at Cookie Jar Golf on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and um, all the platforms, all the platforms. And yesterday, yesterday what? Oh. Yesterday we fired up Musclebra. Yeah, Musclebra, Muzzle. to some uh, to some nice comments and everything. That was a cool one. That was yeah. a really a bit cool different film. From our usual style. Yeah, you did a nice little job on the old graphics, didn't you, in the edit room? I was quite happy with that, with the uh, the trifecta of open courses. So Some questionable images of um, some of those golfers. Not entirely convinced they're all real, but... Yeah, and I mean, I, I, you know, I'd probably question your the copyright the blind infringement on the, on the product. But um, but yeah, no, I thought, I thought Musclebro was um, really cool and sticking some pictures and up up on uh, on Facebook over the last few days, kind of just the number of people. What I didn't realise with Musselburgh is how much crazy kind of fondness there is for the place from yeah, Americans. Definitely. Like, I I got the feeling in Scotland that it was hallowed, but I didn't expect the number of number of Americans that were like, oh, yeah, like, that's a, that's a pilgrimage. It's a strange one because my fondness for it has increased with the duration of this past, I feel like I look back at it and look back at the film now and think, yeah, that was really cool. We got to be in a place where that that's where it all started. And I was very aware of it at the time, but it certainly hit me more now. Mm. Certainly the way that people are interacting with us and, and talking about how it's their dream to go play Musclebra from, you know, someone who lives plays Pebble Beach and their yeah. dream is to go play Musclebra. It's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's starting to hammer home. That was a really special experience, and I'm glad I did it. Yeah, it's cool. So we had that, and then obviously next Monday we're going into Gillen, Gullen, Gillen, Gulen, whatever Gullen. you like to call shoulder. it. Shoulder. Um, yeah, the shoulder of, of Gullen Hill. So that'll be cool. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it's been uh, it's been pretty non-eventful, hasn't it? So well, it's been a it's been a pretty tricky week, hasn't it? Let's be fair. Background of our listeners overseas, we are in a complete state of lockdown. So that essentially means everything with the exception of supermarkets and garden centres are shut. Um, <laughs> why, why are you laughing for? Well, I just, it is that. That is true. But I don't know why garden centres is the... Because I don't understand why garden centres remained open. Well, I don't do. understand how buying a bird bath can be categorised as essential retail in the current climate. I really can't. Do you know what? I, I drove past, and this will mean nothing again to our overseas listeners... I was out in the car the other day going to the supermarket for essential purchases and I drove past a shop called Curry's, which for those who don't know is a large electrical retailer. There was a queue of about 30 people outside the door. I'm not convinced that many people were buying kind of temporary heaters for their home under emergency purposes. Nonetheless, golf courses are shut. I'm not, rem- I'm not, I'm not the slightest bit bitter about that, but it has been. But while we're thought. talking about our overseas um, 
Listeners, we do need to give a shout out to a few of our listeners that have actually backed Sam up. We've never gone publicly and, and done this. Oh, yeah. With the Leaf Creepers. Oh, yeah. So for anyone watching the tour film part one, uh, the pod, I was... Um, listening. Yeah, or listening, listening rather to tour film part one um, podcast that we did before Christmas. I made a bit of a claim and said that in New York, people go out and do this thing called leaf creeping. We had an email... Um, come through in the inbox yeah a few few emails come in that have sort of said yeah sam's definitely not wide of the mark there although it's not quite creeping it's called leaf peeping but he said i think one person actually said uh, leaf creeping is a slightly more accurate version of yeah and i think if you call the creep in america it's a bit more sort of a bit more derogatory than the way we would say it so um no fair play to you sam you are only in this occasion talking Complete sense. complete sense, complete sense, as always. But apart from being a pretty non-eventful week, I look at the week behind us now and think it's been a week of some pretty bad takes. There's been a few bad looks out there for, for a number of people. Yeah, the, it's been, if you follow the Twitter sphere and the echo chambers that we all live in these days, it's been, it's been bad for a mm. few people. A few companies it's been bad for as well. And for once, it's been nice to see the golf course of the week on the PGA Tour not get a complete slamming because Kapalua is wide open. So the woke architects of the world are not <laughs> slamming it for a lack of width and angles. So that's gone away, which has actually led to some pretty entertaining news out I think there. the 18th at Kapalua has probably got more width and angles than St Andrews. Absolutely ridiculous. Tr- truly ridiculous. Like You could take a run at some of those drives. I didn't see it enhancing the strategy. That thing was... Long. Can we just talk about the course for a second, okay. considering we're on it? Uh, considering um, the winning score, I think, was 25 under. And then there was a bird in the playoff. So over 73 holes, it was 26 under. Um, the course is 7,600 yards. <laughs> you know, I went it's through the scorecard. I don't know why I did this. I was really bored. I had I was doing some work at my desk and I had the scorecard on there from Formby Ladies. So I decided to add up the, fir- the yardage for the first six holes at Formby Ladies. And I think it was equivalent to about 2.1 holes of the opening <laughs> course at Kapalua. <laughs> it was silly long. But I think that does just go to show, though, that I suppose it... Do you think it's really a thing? I, d- I don't think they can make golf courses long enough now. I just don't think it's a thing. I don't really know where you go with it, do you? I mean, I think the... It didn't even look that hard, did it? I mean, it it, it was... Um, to use Jeff Shackelford's term, it was a bit of a pin cushion, really. You saw the way the ball landed. It wasn't releasing. And they're playing at 18. At what? 634-ish. Yeah. Like, it's it's eight-ish at 634. It's pretty accurate. It's driver iron as well. Yeah, driver iron. <laughs> so where, where'd you go from that? You're going to do 7, 800? It's not a distance debate pod. We're not going to do that now, but it was... No, but I actually think it's, it's it was the long And it was dismantled. So anyone that says we need to make golf courses, I, set, you know, 8,000 yards to provide a challenge, just utter garbage. I'm not saying that at all. I know I, not. I'm not saying it's a distance debate thing. I don't want to go into a distance debate. But I'm saying that actually it's more of an architecture debate, that if you make if you put hazards in the right place and, and have interesting course architecture, then you're more likely... I mean, the, the wind didn't blow at all in Hawaii, which is part of the, the, the problem. If the wind doesn't blow, those boys, they're so good, they can just put it wherever they want. It's not, not a problem at all. Yeah, exactly. But it was, um, it was actually pretty cool. I watched a bit of it um, on replay afterwards. It was far too late at night to be, to be staying mm. up and watching the conclusion. For the, for the British market, it's just... It, 
kicks off at it's, like it's 10 o'clock. the definition and, of an accessible PGA yeah. golf, that one. Um, and we've got another week of it next week. But um, where are we going to kick it off then? Harris I think, English? I think Harris English is a good place to start. Okay. So let's start with the title of the tournament. Tournament of Champions, correct. Correct. So um, the previous year's winners gain Har- exemption to that tournament in Hawaii. But he, he must have had an exemption another way because he didn't win in 2020 or 19 or 18. <laughs> 2013 since his last solo victory. Um, seven years. So how did he get in? I haven't got a clue how they've done this. I know they increased the field, but I mean, have they done it on form or FedEx rankings? Points. So because got you. Um, there wasn't enough... How much money you make lets you earn more money the next year. Um, Because there wasn't a full schedule of PGA events, they had the winners of 2020 like they would do usually, but they also um, extended invites to anyone in the top 30 of the FedEx and Harris English was 12th, which is how he got his invite to uh, the Tournament of Champions. Lucky boy. But they should have just called it the Tournament of Champions and 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 and, and also <laughs> and also people that have lined that you know lined their pockets well yeah. last year with some pretty good kind of also Top ran tens. performances. Harris English not also ran, but um, he's had well, a though. massive, massive mm. um, kind of boost to his career, hasn't he? Did well, I read somewhere it was three hundred and ninetieth or something? I think he, did, he lost his card in twenty nineteen. Nearly lost his card in twenty nineteen. It was it was it was very close mm. to being pretty much off and down into the next kind of tearing and everything, wasn't he? And off but tour. He's looking solid. Mm. Really good. Well, I, I thought um, Flusher. Neiman was going well. I don't know if he posted something like nine under gross on the... On oh, the I say nine under gross, nine under on the, on the final <laughs> gross. Round. What, what did he score net? net? I don't know what the net prize was. <laughs> um, yeah, shot nine <laughs> under on the final round and that doesn't get it done. Um, Some comeback though. Yeah. Oh, I, what, question for you, playing with Sergio... Apparently they teed up the whole outfit situ together. So they wore identical outfits, the white trousers with the black shirt and all that sort of jazz. And apparently they play a lot of golf together. Um, well, he was there at the end supporting with his family, wasn't he? Yeah. And, but there was a day that if you walked out onto the golf course and someone was in the same four balls wearing the same gear as you, you'd think, Christ, I need to go back and change. I need to go stick yeah, another I mean, jumper on. This is, I can't be seeing the same look, thing. wasn't it? But, um, but yeah, that's got to have given him a little, little tickle along, along the way. Anyway, I thought I thought it wasn't wasn't bad to watch, but I did think the week in general seemed to have some just a few bad takes. There was a few that I kind well, of let's start with the defending champ. Okay, Justin yeah. Thomas. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, where do you want to go with this? Well, I suppose you better tell the story for those that, that weren't in the know. I think you've got, you, you've got the article in front of you. I haven't got the article in front of me. Um, let's say that Justin Thomas. Uh, Mr. Putt in the third round that um, obviously caused him some dismay. And um, he referred to himself as a derogatory term that's only used by the it's homophobic, pose. wasn't it? I mean, let's cut to the chase. He used a homophobic slur, which, you know... About himself. Not, yeah, I get that, but it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable language. And the, I think in... I mean, fair, you know, he's, he's come straight out and he's apologised for it. These guys know that the audio is pretty crisp out there mm. when they're on the greens. Hard, there's hardly a lot of noise out there from, you know, patrons or otherwise. I, yeah, I don't really know what to say other than the fact that it's just a complete, you know, own goal on behalf of Justin Thomas there to kind of get caught doing that. 
Um, and and you, should, you shouldn't be using that language. But then to know when you're out on the course that you're getting recorded, you know that there's a pretty good chance that, you know, your audio is getting picked up. He'll have known as soon as he's, as soon as he's holed out and thought, I mean, I, I, I suspect he didn't mean it in a derogatory way. But the problem is, you know, it's oh, interpreted that way. Yeah. And well, the thing is, as soon as you say it in reference to something that's gone bad, then the, the the underlying point is that he must think that that is bad. You know, I I don't know how to phrase that. Yeah, yeah well, no, I think but yeah, like yeah. But we've I, I I've always taken the piss out of Jordan Spieth because he's like, gosh darn it, Jordan, and you know, like it's just so PC when he's angry at himself. But these guys have paid millions and millions of dollars. They have to be PC. They can't just be throwing out. You know, you get the odd for fuck's sake, and and that's you know. That happens, and well, the commentator just sweeps it up for them, don't yeah, they? Yeah. They just sort of go. So, so if you could a little bit of that, a little bit of that there, and it's on to the next shot. Um, and but you can't get away with being homophobic. Yeah, I mean, that's just offensive, it. isn't it? Like it's just offensive language, affected. and it's it's unacceptable. You know, I've seen people saying, "Well, he still picked up four hundred and thirty k that week." Do you, what do you think, Tom? Should he have, you know? repurpose his proceeds is he going to get fined is there a suspension in the offing what do you think is going to happen um it's not if he turned around and gave away his money to the lgbtq plus community i think it'd be disingenuous I, I think that's ridiculous i think he should probably be fined just you know this is you shouldn't be behaving like this you've got to you've got to be a role model to everybody else out there and that's what these guys are getting paid for um but I think that needs to come down as a sanction. I think if he just suddenly donated it, it'd be a bit like, be a bit transparent, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think it would look, it would look, you know. And the thing is, people just twist it in whatever way. So they say that, and then you go and do that, and he'd just be someone would say, "Well, you're just trying to buy your way out of the problem." So I don't know. So that I mean, that was the obvious first bad take of the week. I think you're completely unanimous in that one. That's a complete. Yeah, and he up. said, I mean, he's come out and said since the. the the conclusion of the tournament that that has been playing on his mind and it's really like affected him and affected his play. I mean, when you shoot 24 under and miss the, the, <laughs> miss the, the winning number by one, still yeah, got it I mean, he can't affect him that much, but um, I mean, life's a learning curve. We all make mistakes, just learn from it. He shouldn't have done it, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it is, a, it's a, it's a steep learning curve though there. I mean, that's not one to, to repeat twice, is it? I mean, I don't know. He generally seems like someone that people endear themselves to on toys. Seems like a nice guy. So, oh, seems quality. When they did that, um, you Phil, know, the Tiger yeah. Phil, when he did the on-course commentary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like his his commentary, I thought, was just like, it absolutely made, um, I'm a huge Justin Thomas fan. Like his commentary made that sort of production. I thought he was brilliant. And he's like chanting to Phil and he's getting in their ear and stuff. I think he's a, he's a, why well, don't know the guy. I think he's a great guy. He comes across as a gay guy, but he's obviously made just made a mistake. Mm. Well, there was another bit of audio um, pickup that I caught on the second round, which Ram, I don't know if you saw it. I caught it. I didn't see any chatter about it, but I was thinking in the back of my mind, Ram, right? Okay. Brand new signing for um, Callaway. Obviously, left, left relationship with Taylor Made. You know, it's all over the news. That must be a whopping check, Callaway. Callaway, the biggest hitters, longest, fastest face. Yeah, they've, they've pushed drivers further than humanly possible, which I think is absolute gubbins. Um, <laughs> so I think he's on the 17th tee. Kind of, 
I mean, again, wide open, Kapalua, 100 yards wide, tries to take an aggressive line up the left, turns it over. It's kind of like a little bit of one of those sort of toey sort of duck hooks that you hit. It's clearly gone in out of bounds or into the penalty area or something. But he's hit it straight away, lost temper and gone, there's no way I hit the ball that bad. I don't know how the ball's flown out. There's no way I've hit it that bad. Yeah. Looking down at his equipment and I thought... Right, that is the worst PR Callaway have ever paid for um, in one foul swoop. I mean, it's tough. It's a tough one for Callaway, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's his own man, and he'll be like walking in, and be like, "I don't give a fuck." Like, you know, you know, I'm paid to use this equipment. I'm reacting to a shot I've hit on course. At the same rate, if you were the guy who procured the deal there with with John Rahm, mm, you couldn't you help but sit there and think. Could have kept your mouth shut on that one. Yeah, I mean, so so that was that was bad take number two for me. I mean, that was just a, a kind of minor spot. Um, no, let's not move on though. I mean, I've got. A, I feel like I've got to produce a counter argument to this that I don't think Callaway responsible for the top master shot that topped fairway three wood. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, mean, that, I mean, that was a bad strike. Like, let's go. On. He's I got mean, previous. To be yeah, honest. I mean, that's a clean top. That's a bad strike. So it can't. You know, he has got those those strikes in their locker, but. To look down at your club that's brand new and you've just been paid millions of dollars to use and go, there's no way I've swung that bad. This club is just not where Poor it should form. be. But you'll get into it. He, he will, you know, be fit more and it'll get used to it. Bad take number three of the week for me. Polter. Hanging off the back of a yacht. <laughs> Literally hanging off the back of a super yacht. So I'm uh, going to set the scene, right? There, I'll, I'll get... Sam to finish this, but there is obviously this meme going around. It's been going around for ages now about the Fleetwood Mac dreams and Fleetwood's been at the top of a, a four by four sticking his head out of a sunroof while that song's on. And that meme's going around everywhere. And when you're driving around with your head out of a four by four, obviously on the grounds of a golf course, you think, okay, you can kind of get away with that. It just, it felt a what little was tasteless. Do? I mean, it was just... It just felt a little, um, if Bruce was here, he would say insipid, um, you know, essentially weak, tasteless. Um, he was hanging off the back of a yacht in Greece. Yes, or I don't know like where that. it was. You know, obviously Fleetwood Mac player. Having the best time on, of his Just life. looked like he was having an absolute ball. And I just saw a tirade of abuse coming back at Poulter then just sort of, just take us down here. And yeah, probably not the best time. A lot of people <laughs> having a tough time at the moment. A lot of people can't leave the houses at the moment, Ian. Yeah, I mean, this is really isn't, this is kind of rubbing yeah. our face in it. There's some news going around in the Daily Mail that we only be allowed exercise once a week. I just think it's a really bad look. I always think with, um, particularly Polter, whenever you see his house, there's always that huge kind of like, glass fronted building with like sort of 60 Ferraris parked outside the front. And I just never think that's a particularly good look either. Yeah, but he's earned it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. He that. can spend it on whatever he wants. It's, I think that the it's tough a bit, bit about tasteless, it, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is a bit taste. It's a bit disconnected, I think. I oh, mean, I think so. When, you know, there is this go pandemic going on and we are in the midst of probably the hardest part of it we're ever going to face of this particular pandemic and people are being told not to leave their house or um you know don't go to work and you know you're, you're getting minimal furlough money and yeah <laughs> here i am boys I'm on it's my just up. outrageous it's just utterly outrageous so i mean i'd have just and there's other people on about i'd have just been interested to know what was going through his mind when you hit the push button on that when you sort of hit publish or whatever 
people it's share. It's a far cry from, from your um, over an, over analysis of your social media, whereas do you think this is too much? Do you not have that, down? though? Whenever you hit the, the, hit the send, yeah, you always have the fear on whatever you post. So you always hover over it for about, for me, it's like half an hour. Like it's an excruciating process. And you sit there and look at him. And, and you think something must have been going through his head where he's thinking, do I look like a bit of a dick here? Does no, this I look know, like I don't I'm, think he's got that filter. No, I, I suppose think that's not. The I think that that must be it. That I think I think that I think that I think that that bit the way we would think that. I think he's thinking, I look like a baller here. <laughs> but the PJ have dropped their own clangers this week with their announcement of the biggest events. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is right. So this is the. Is it like the little diagram of the mm, the uh, biggest event, the sort of slot machine or whatever, which is basically where they've just gone through the men's calendar and said, <laughs> <laughs> these are the ones we're really looking forward these to. These are golfs. So this is it's entitled, they put a uh, thing up on Twitter. It's entitled golf's biggest events. So there's the players, the masters, the PGA, the U S open, the open, the Tokyo Olympics, the Olympics, the FedEx I, I, Cup playoff, and the Ryder Cup. I mean, the fact that the FedEx is in there—it's just absolutely outrageous, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a bit. And the thing is, that's a room full of men saying, "Like, right, what's really good this year? These ones are really good." Well, they've just put a date for the playoffs because it, it basically carries over about three weeks, doesn't yeah. it? The playoffs. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just yet another kind of PR disaster. I feel like we're maybe just absolutely lambasting people on the pod today, but it just feels like we're still at the start of the year and we're... New year, new me. Oh, new year, we've got PR people out just <laughs> slinging guns, just <laughs> knocking down doors, just throwing away the handbook for anything, you know, that needs guidelines and, you know, should we be looking at some of the great women's events that we've got coming up, you know, the, the majors, Solheim Cup year, so much going on in golf, and yet we've got kind of an arbitrary August the 9th or whatever in mm. there for the FedEx playoffs. Yeah. So. Again, it's just one of those things, I think, where they just have an engaged brain. Um, I think that's what this all boiled down to. I think 2020, 2020 was the year of the pandemic, and it, it really seems like 2021 is becoming the year of the brain fade. I think I mean, so. Already 10 days in. Maybe people's heads have just turned to mush. I don't know. <laughs> The, the lack of fresh air just got to I everybody. think so. I, I, th I think it must do. I, I think but it just maybe, the, I don't know, does seem an inordinate level of cock-ups, for want of a better no. term. Um, anyway, making it, drifting off the negativity maybe for a touch. Any kind of, any big scoops, any any major news at all this week? Any Any nuggets? No real nuggets, really. But one of the things that, um, that I noticed watching the... Century Tournament of Champions this week was the chat about Colin Morikawa. Did you pick up on this? Oh yeah, I like this. No, I like really... this a lot. So this was the stuff with um, this because we were talking about it when we over the weekend the the um, the concept of leaving breadcrumbs. Which I mean, maybe that's for for people who watch loads of golf, or maybe it's maybe I've just been living in a under a rock for for years. But I just really like the term. So commentators just sort of said, "Now's the time to be." you know, leaving breadcrumbs with his game. And I just thought there's a lot of truth in that, I think, for... Can you explain that to... Yeah. Because I had to have explained, because I'm not clear. So, I think what he means is, whilst Morikawa is kind of in the ascendancy and, you know, things are looking up and, you know, he's by no means reached his pinnacle, things are going so well for the guy. Like, why wouldn't you start to document things? So, what I think he means by that is, you know, 
get loads of footage of him swinging the club now. Um, really invest time in sort of journaling around how he feels on the golf course, his kind of mental approach to the game, how he feels, you know, on the lead up to tournaments, how he feels after a tournament. And I, I thought, and he kind of tied it back and said, well, you know, essentially just leaving breadcrumbs. So you never know what might happen. I mean, take Jordan Spieth, for example. Um, and that's a that's an interesting one in itself this week, actually. But if you take Jordan Spieth, who's kind of reached a level where, you know, he could do no wrong. You know, he had the Midas touch, didn't he, for a few years. And then very quickly things can change. The idea of leaving those breadcrumbs is that you could kind of find your way back. And I can imagine having something where maybe if you're Jordan Spieth, you know, I can't, I can't quite relate to being one of the best golfers in the world, naturally, uh, as you would expect. But it can't hurt to be able to pick up a book or, you know, a notebook that you were completing five years ago when you were winning two majors in a year and all that sort of stuff to help get you back to that point. Do you not but think? But do you think the idea of the, these breadcrumbs are more mental than than physical i think they're both i mean they've got so I much mean, access to, to their swing like they could they could watch their swing from every swing probably for the from the entirety of their career i would have thought exactly exactly so i mean i think i, I don't think colin morikawa has just abandoned the use of video aids in his training routine at the moment because he's hitting it well but i think that does extend to the amateur golfer you know i know for myself I'll get my swing generally on video when something's going wrong or yeah. when I'm trying to iron a kink out or something. So if there's a problem with my game, invariably that will then result in me hitting balls. I'll video it and I'll try and analyze the problem. I've never gone the other way around. Where I've thought I'm hitting it really good. Let's get loads of this on camera mm. because that would be bloody helpful. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, physically and emotionally, like I, I, I've had so many times where I've been, you know, in a round of golf and, for me, played really good golf, and you know, I, I, I thought, right, I've got it. I've absolutely nailed it. These are my two swing mm. thoughts, and I've it just it's just I'm in the slot, and then I've come back to it the next round of golf. I'm gone. Oh my god, what was I thinking? I can't remember what I was thinking. Like, you know, yeah, it all just goes. to write that down would have been useful. Just to concentrate on the same thing every time. And I have just, something to look back at, and I thought I just thought it was quite a kind of quite a sort of sharp point that he made. And I thought, there's a lot of truth in that. Not, not so much for these guys. Cause these guys have got a lot of the bases covered out on tour. They are great golfers. They've got a lot of people around them. You know, people like Morikawa will have a team of people that are kind of covering every base for him and helping, encourage him and moving him in the right direction. But as a humble amateur, the concept of leaving breadcrumbs to use that term when you're playing well is something I've never I've never spoken to anyone who's said I'm actually hitting it quite well at the moment, so I'm going to go and get some 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 swings recorded, or I actually play. I've made some massive inroads. I'm going to write some of this stuff down. Here's a question for you: If you're on a particularly good um, run of form, I say you've you know you're hitting it well in in practice, and you've had a couple of good medals or whatever, um, do you go hit balls? Uh. Uh, well, I don't know. I can't. I, I either enjoy hitting balls for a period, or I don't. So I just do it based on when I enjoy it. I think I don't. I'm not sure. I think I only ever hit golf balls if I'm playing poorly. Yeah, and maybe I'm more likely to go and hit, you know, beat a bucket of balls down on the practice area if I'm if I'm playing bad. Yes, I think I think that would be true for ninety five percent of 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 cat two or higher so anyone above the I handicap think anyone six. i don't think anyone think, wants to go i mean 
I don't know. I'd, There's got to be people out there that, I mean, I'm sure the Cat 1 golfers that understand it more than, you know, maybe the Cat 2, 3, 4 golfers, the ones that are 6 or below, understand that, you know, even when they're hitting it well, they've got to go hit balls and they've got to go practice chipping and they've got to go practice their putting. But for me, it's always a knee-jerk reaction thing. Like if I'm yeah. doing something badly, I've got to try and fix it. I don't, I mean, I think I think it's probably the other way around. I don't think category on golfers uh, are category on golfers because they are have that discipline in the way they approach practice. I just think they're naturally hitting more golf balls and probably playing more golf and therefore they are slightly lower handicaps. And I, I don't think, you know, uh, there's a lot of low handicap golfers that don't have a particularly good golfing brain in terms of how they approach their swing. They just played a lot of golf and can get, can get the ball in the hole mm. in, in a low, low number. Um, so are but, you going to go mean, and film are you, when you're next in a rich vein of form? Are you going to start to record? Well, I can't look at anything. Like there's a, an, I don't know, maybe there's something to identify to here. If you're, hitting, if you're hitting the ball great in October and you're in England and the next time you pick up a club might be March, that's a world away. Mm, it doesn't might be quite nice to look back on something wouldn't it yeah. or think about but, some some of the things you know maybe it's some swing thoughts maybe you're a yippy chipper and you just go through that couple of week spell where all of a sudden things feel fixed and you've got a little swing feel on the go but that quickly goes you know unless you maybe document it i mean we could i, I could kind of wax on about this longer but i think i think the point i'm trying to make is that was a great shout but how many amateurs apply it to their game? And I just thought maybe that's something I could. Well, it'd could be interesting if, if any of our listeners get in touch to say whether you know how they approach how they approach uh, filming their own golf swing and whether they do it if they're playing well or playing badly. But um, you've got a particular bugbear as well. While we're on the topic of amateurs and things like that, which is um, is expectations, isn't it? Is the one that you the golfers? Oh yeah, expectations I mean, I love. I mean, I, I mean, I, just just while we're on this, my favourite little soundbite. Most most reasonable amateur golfers will all generally agree that they need to sort of swing, you know, focus on the inputs rather than the outputs. And I think you've come from a rugby background, haven't you? And you've always focused on inputs historically when you train. Try to. Yeah, you you just like I'm going to drill, I'm going to train, I'm going to focus on the inputs, and then when it you know when it's game time. We just focus on those inputs. You don't worry about the stuff you can't control. So people go out, they try and swing well, and then they get themselves into a position around, and then they stand on the 15th tee, and then they sort of just beat their chest and sort of breathe out and go, right, come on, four fours and I have to finish. And you just think the way the amateur golfer just kind of flips from being completely input focused, hit hit in a good space. Hit the fairway, hit the green. And they're so brittle. Like, I'm, I'm... the same as any other player, completely brittle between the ears when it comes to these things. So anyhow, we talked about Spieth um, and and obviously a bit of bit of discussion there. Morikawa leaving breadcrumbs, you know, Spieth. Just very neat segue to close the pod. Bit of news that he's now got Butch Harmon. Yeah, I mean, that's insane, isn't it? I, I think I think that's been taken slightly out of context. From what I've, having done a little bit more reading, I think it was a little clickbaity, a little sensationalist. I think what he's really done is like when you and me are down the practice range and Bruce walks by and asks for just a quick second opinion, I think that was it. As is that point, it, is it? I don't know. That's the gist I got from... The, the 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 further reading I did on it, which wasn't extensive. Well, well, there is there is a lot. You know, Jordan Spieth generates a lot of interest, and there was a time. Do you remember where they were? There was all that. You know, he he was giving Grella the stare down mm. at Pebble Beach, where he gave him the wrong club, or you know. And I think people like to generate stories around Jordan Spieth. Um, I think that'd be a good match. 
you know, if that did happen, I think, I think Butch is pretty straight talking, and um, I think that if he if he got involved with uh, with Butch, that'd be a fairly good match. But if it's just, well respected, if it's the, the same as Ram and uh, Olathabal on the uh, at the Masters, where they're just giving each other advice, <laughs> yeah. he's not going to be credited as his coach. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I'd, I'd be interested to see. I mean, I don't know. Just Spieth in himself is just a, a very interesting subject, isn't he? Because um, what do you want to see, Jordan Spieth? This year? I'd love to see him come firing I'd like back. To see him, I would absolutely. I'd I'd love to see him come back and you know at the very least contend for a major. The way we're going at the moment, I'm not sure he qualifies for all the majors, does he? I'd have to double check. There'll be somebody. I, I, I does don't c- think he's in the top fifty in the world. No, definitely not. Um, I mean, you've got to remember, he's only one leg away from the Grand Slam. Yeah. He, just only, he only hasn't won the, the PGA. That's the only one he hasn't got. Um, I, I'd, like I, I'd, lo- I'd love to back. see him come back and contend. I, I actually thought, and there was a bit written about it in November, that he was going to come back and make a bit of a make a bit of a charge, actually, against the odds. And that didn't quite materialise, did it? But um, who knows? There's a bit of a spell off and... I mean, Spieth didn't qualify for the tournament of champions, did he? So, um, maybe, maybe he's used that week and invested it in his own game again. Um, maybe he's looking at breadcrumbs. But it's it's just one of those things, isn't it? I mean, you can look at life like rolling the dice, and you know, if you roll a six, you win the tournament. If you roll a one, you miss the cut. And I just don't believe anybody is capable of rolling the amount of sixes that he would have needed to roll to win everything he's won. Like it's not luck. The guy's got talent. The guy's got skill. Like he has, he just, it is in there. He just I, needs to. I think what to Gio put on the. Get it back. Yeah. I think what Gio spoke about when we had him on, this, this one of the best points we've actually had on the podcast was him saying that, you know, he benefited so much from the adulation and the praise and, you know, mm. the harem around, him when he played great golf and won those tournaments that then the first sign of weakness generated those same people to all of a sudden become non-believers and because he'd put so much stock in them in his ascendancy he naturally had so much stock in them when they were saying the opposite and then maybe it's self-perpetuating the truth is we don't know um be very interested to to find out but um it would be it would be good to see him make it make a bit of a charge but we're going to wrap up this pod with uh, with looking towards next week's tournament, which we've got the Sony Open in Hawaii. Hawaii. With I mean, Cam it, Smith defending. Yeah, it's I mean, another red eye, isn't it? At the end of last year, Cam Smith, didn't he? So, you know. Proper Aussie hillbilly, isn't he? <laughs> he's <laughs> just, I really like him. Yeah, he's he's cool. got the flat cap. He's not the flat cap there. What do they call it? That wide cap thing where it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pass. That's cool. Jason Derulo, I like it. Mate, he's a, um, he's a cool dude, but he's a bit of an Aussie hill, hillbilly. Um, it's another red eye though, isn't it? It's another few late nights watching that, but then when there's very little else to do, why the bloody <laughs> hell not? <laughs> yeah. And we've got, uh, we got Gullum Film coming out next Monday. And, and big news as well that is we are going to be very shortly introducing the Cookie Jar newsletter. Yeah, so if you just drop onto the website, you should get triggered to drop your email. Hit us up with that, um, and then you will be first. What, what should our listeners be expecting? Well, in the I think the newsletter is going to follow very much what the cookie jar is about, which is, you know, everything from the professional and amateur game, course architecture and golf history. And we're going to try and straddle those three, three tightropes well, and we're going to try um, and leverage some of the 
people that we talk to, our listeners, our fans and the network. And, you know, I think we all get enough of our, our own opinions on this podcast week in, week out, that maybe it would be nice to try and bring on a few guest contributors. Hell, it'll probably save us some time writing articles as well. So um, that seems like the most scalable model. But no, jokes aside, we're going to try and incorporate some cool stuff in the newsletter. Oh, and, um, and yeah. Let's not forget the, um, the UK and Ireland rank of ranks, which you spend a lot of time compiling. Yeah, that went down all right, didn't it? That was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that I I kind of I've now got almost photographic memory of every position in every ranking. Still Um, spent Selena dot wrong. Yeah, twice. But that was a copying and pasting (laughs) error. But that shouts out to Sean Arbel for the fix on that one. Thanks for that. So uh, it's always nice when you've got Golf Club Atlas contributors just dropping you a note for the second time in three weeks saying you've spelt Selena dot wrong. But again, again. Um, Apart from that. But There's no, a good, to come. a good little resource for people to they can filter by designer. I mean, what is really interesting when you look back at that, um, the rank of ranks, but s- specifically with the UK and Ireland, is when you filter for, when you put the search term cult in, it's like... <laughs> well, 26 it, out of 130, which is by it's far lot, the biggest. Yeah, 100%. I mean, just, the dude is prolific, but it's a good little resource and you can see, you know, what's in your area and what's around and... No, I urge you, if you haven't checked it out, to check it out and go find some hidden gems for yourself that are in your area. 100%. And also a good way of understanding the ranks and the way they're compiled. And same for the global one as well. So um, good resource there. And go and check it out on the website. Until then, it's been a short pod today. There's only the two of us. But thank you very much for listening. And if you've got any uh, additions to any of the crap that we talk, please do get in touch on that cookie jar golf. And until then, we will speak to you next time. Watch this.